If you have your Bibles, I invite you to join with me. We are in um, the book of Kings, and we're going to start over in 1 Kings, and it is chapter 19, verses 19 through 21, and then we're going to flip over in my, in my Bible, it's only like five or six pages, but um, we're going to be in uh, 2 Kings, and it's uh, chapter 2, verses 9 through 13, so... Um, you also can find the Bible app on our Pine Valley app. Um, also, if you need a Bible, we have some Bibles here at the church, and we would happy to gift you one of those. Hear these words. First King, chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And this was with the 12. He was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. And then in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you, but if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He, saw, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. Father God, get me out of the way so that your presence is felt, it is seen, your voice is heard, and just move us in a mighty way to go out into this world and tell the world about Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So last week, Pastor Tim wrapped up his sermon series on final countdown about Jesus's return, about the final judgment, about hell, and about heaven, this thing called eschatology, where we're studying about last things. So this series has stuck with me, and I've thought about that phrase, final countdown, what does it mean? What exactly is happening? And it led me to this other theological term that we use, and it's called discipleship. And then that led me to thinking about NASA, which led me to think about Elijah, which led me to think about Elisha, and here we are today. 
So I, I look at Elijah and Elisha and think about this as a final countdown story. It's, it's got action. They went. They were watching. There's asking. There's giving. There's crying out in grief. There's the picking up the mantle, and then there's carrying on. Man, you wish that TV series would pick up stuff like that than the other stuff they do, but that's something for another day. Anyway, so I thought about NASA and this final countdown, so it made me go to Google, you know, because Google knows everything. So I Googled, what does it mean, final countdown, that phrase? Well, NASA popped up. So I went to nasa.gov, and they have this final countdown 101. So I got a little bit of an education, and I want to pass that along to you. See, this NASA clock, you know the clock that I'm talking about, that counts down when they're getting ready to launch a space shuttle or a rocket or something, and we gather around the TV, and uh, some people gather at NASA to watch in person, but all people are watching this countdown clock. We start chiming in at about one minute to go, and then our voices build with that 10, 9, 8, 7, till we get to liftoff. But I want to ask you, did you know that NASA actually starts the clock at T minus 43 hours? There's also this thing called holds built into the countdown that allows the launch team to target this precise launch window and to provide a cushion of time for certain tasks and procedures, but it doesn't impact the overall launch schedule. So during these hours while we're sleeping or playing or working, NASA is preparing. They have team briefings. They're checking the weather. They're double-checking the weather, and I'm probably sure three or four times. There's equipment checks. There's fuel checks. There's fuel loading. There's cleaning. And this extremely and fascinatingly long list of activities. Then at T minus 10, when most of us are getting ready for the countdown, this main engine, what's it called? Main engine hydrogen burn-off system. I don't know what that is, but it sounds really important. It's activated, and then the main engine is activated at T minus 6.6 seconds. They have this down to a T. So essentially, 3.4 seconds after that main engine starts, they're off. I don't know any cars that go that quick. And this is a heavy piece of machinery. So all of this activity, they're not just sitting there, sipping on their coffee, going, yeah, we'll just wait a minute, and then I'm just going to push this button over here, and it's going to lift off. See, they're actively pursuing this goal of a successful liftoff. Everyone has a purpose to make this mission a go. And even after liftoff, there's even more action that's happening. So this made me think about Elijah and Elisha. Both are prophets. One's the mentor. One's the mentee. And although they are characteristically different, both are examples of this complete surrender to God. See, Elijah comes to us in 1 Kings 17. He just kind of appears and they start talking about him. 
His name means the Lord is my God. And this is the life song that he has against all of these folks that are worshiping the God, little g, Baal. Because see, there's King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. You probably know about Jezebel. And the many in that kingdom. But Elijah is the witness to the power of God over all of these things that are brought on by sin and death. Then Elisha is introduced in chapter 19. And like Elijah's story, there's not much background on him. There's not really much backstory that we hear of just a little bit. Elijah finds him plowing in a field. He passes by and throws his mantle on him, which would have been like a coat. And this mantle is symbolic of the prophet's occupation and this call to discipleship. It's interesting to note that Elisha wanted to go say goodbye to his parents and probably finish taking care of the oxen and all of that. But see, he couldn't. Elijah is calling him. See, Jesus calls us to give up everything that prevents us from his mission of sharing the good news of the salvation with the Lord. So in this beautiful story of Elijah and Elisha, one is ready for liftoff and the other is staying behind to carry on the mission because there's more work to be done. There's this final countdown, if you will, So for a minute this morning, I want us to look at their story in relation to our story, which is God's story, and ask ourselves, are we working toward glory? And as we're doing that, what do we need to do during our final countdown? I think there's three things we need to do, and the first thing we need to do is we need to ask. In general, we're people that ask. We ask a lot of questions. We ask for a lot of things. Um, sometimes we'll, it'll be simple like, can I borrow you for a second? Or can I borrow a cup of sugar? And um, do you have some gum? Or can I hold a 20 for a few minutes? Kids ask for things all the time. And trust me, I live with two, what some think are like these little theologians. Y'all see them answering the questions live with them for five minutes. They ask for something, and then five minutes after you just gave them something new, oh, I forgot, can I have this? And then it goes on and on. But we ask things. There are times when we ask for things that we don't need, and there are times that we don't ask for the things that we do need. There's wisdom in knowing the difference. See, Elisha is not afraid to ask. You know, Elijah's like, you know, ask me. He's about to be taken up to heaven, and the countdown has begun. We see Elijah following him. He's very persistent in his quest of Elijah, and Elijah can't seem to shake him off, even when he tells him to stay put. And he's like, no. Three times this happens. He wants to go on with him. And I think about both men, Elijah telling him to stay put so he can go on, and Elijah insisting no. Elijah, I see this humility that he's ready to just ride off into the sunset, or rather go up in a whirlwind. And then there's Elisha, 
who is so passionate and faithful in his call. See, I can only imagine Elisha not really understanding and wanting to gain every last drop of learning from his teacher until he's no longer with him. In each place he followed him, they see these sons and prophets saying, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And Elisha exclaims, he said, yes, I know, keep silent. It's like, I don't want to hear it or you're interrupting or just stop. I'm sure we've all had some type of experience like this with someone in our life that's mentored us. Maybe they've gone on to glory. Maybe they've moved to another town. Maybe your calling and their calling caused you to part and go in different ways. You know, I've experienced this throughout my ministry and um, call to ministry with mentors that I've had, especially serving in a church where, you know, I'm going to one church, they're going to another church. And I remember that I want to soak up every drop of knowledge they have so I can have it to go on. And then there's our mentors that have gone on to glory. We remember the teachings, how they live their life, their witness. So now here's Elijah and Elisha. They're at the Jordan and Elisha makes this request. Elisha says, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? And Elisha says, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He could have asked Elijah for anything, but he doesn't want wealth. He doesn't want worldly possessions. He doesn't want worldly power of status. He wants a double portion of what Elijah has, of that spirit of God that is in Elijah. And I love Elijah's humility. He says it's, it's a hard thing. It's a hard ask for him because he knows it's not his to give. It has to come from God. Yet here's God using Elijah with that nevertheless. Don't you love how God puts in a nevertheless or a but God in there? And he uses people to say those. See, this double portion, Elijah is not asking for double of everything that Elisha has. He just wants all he needs and more to fulfill God's purpose and call on his life. See, each one of us have a purpose and a plan on our life. As followers of Jesus, we have been claimed, we have been named, and we have been ordained to be in ministry. We all have a portion But I sometimes wonder if we've asked God to fill us with his spirit so we have what we need for just the portion. And then are we asking for a double portion? How could we not want more of God's spirit to be upon us? I want more and I hope you want more. And guess what? When we ask for more, we don't have to be like that little boy, Oliver Twist, who held his bowl of porridge and said, please, sir, can I have some more? I'm not going to do it in a British accent because it would be terrible. But, you know, we don't have to hear God saying, what? You want some more? No, we ask 
And be careful because God is going to give it to you. When we ask for that portion for His Spirit to fall upon us so we can be in line with His will, He's going to give it to us. And our bowls are going to be so full that they're overflowing with His Spirit. Jesus tells us in John 14, 13, 14, And whatever you ask in my name, that will I, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. It's not about power. It's not about worldly goods. It's about having that double portion that so many before us had. So many of our biblical forefathers and foremothers. Y'all remember Abraham. You remember Isaac. You remember Solomon and David, Moses and Esther and Ruth and Mary, the 12 disciples. What about Paul? I want that double portion of the ones who mentored me into the ministry from a baby until now. I want to ask in the name of Jesus to be bold and confidently ask to wear his mantle, to put on him and to carry him out into this world. See, when we ask for that, we can pray more, we can give more, we can serve more, we can witness more. We can do more in His name because there is power and authority in the name of Jesus. We just need to ask. See, at the name of Jesus, as Dr. Takel said, it's not just Jesus, but Jesus. At the name of Jesus, hungry people are fed. The blind see. The prisoner is ministered to. Dirty water is turned into clean water. People get fed. People that are in human trafficking get freed. Demons are cast out. Addictions are overcome. Lives are redeemed. And the dead come to life. We just need to ask for that portion And then when we ask for it, the second thing we need to do is we've got to pick it up. Elisha, he told him this in 2 Kings 2, 13. He also took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. See, Elijah saw Elijah's mantle fall after he was taken up to heaven. God heard and blessed this new prophet. And then this is where the rubber meets the road. Elisha still had a choice. He asked for it, but he also had to pick it up. He had to respond to what he had asked for. And he did. He had that moment of decision and he picked up Elijah's mantle of prophethood, that anointing of the Spirit which came with a price. It came with being rejected by the world that wanted their bales. Or he could have decided to go on his own. But through his pain and his grief of crying out, he picked up the mantle and he went. 
And he became this great prophet of God's people, performing many miracles. He asked, it was given, and he picked it up and carried on. Now, I want you to find an interesting note. You know, we, we read um, from 2 Kings 2 where Elisha comes in. I want you to continue to read and go over to chapter 13 where Elisha dies. That even in his death, there was a man that was revived and came back to life. I'm not going to tell you the story, but I want you to keep reading. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. See, as Jesus calls us deeper into discipleship and in this journey, we have moments of decisions. We feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit. See, we don't nudge the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit nudges us. And he calls us into these very various ministries, praying ministries, serving ministries, preaching ministries singing ministries, visiting the sick, the heartbroken, and so many other gifts. And these gifts are not just in the church. You could be a doctor, a lawyer. You could be a business person. You could be an assistant. You could be law enforcement. You could be the cashier at a retail store. You could be someone that digs ditches outside We use our gifts for the grace of God to serve others and to be good stewards of that grace. Whatever gift we have, we put on Christ, picking up his mantle and taking him to the world, rejecting all that evil stuff and saying, I'm living for Christ. We don't just sit here waiting in our seats for Jesus to return. We don't just sit here waiting for the final judgment. We don't just sit here waiting for heaven. We use our gifts so that heaven and earth intersect. This has been a hard year, not just with COVID, but natural disasters and violence and hatred and division everywhere. But one thing I've noticed that people are hungry for Christ. They want more. See, he's heard our cry. We're gathering in person more. Relationships are strengthening. But there's so many that are still in need inside our church, but outside our church. There's physical needs, but there's also some spiritual needs. There's folks in our city who are wondering, who's this Jesus? And how can I get me some? And some people are knowing, I want more of Jesus. Are we going to help fill their bowls? The final thing is that we have to go. When we ask, we pick up, and then we have to go. See, Elijah took up Elijah's mantle. 2 Kings 2, 13, 14 tells us, He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Be careful because he'll show you. And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. See, Elijah didn't put on the mantle and then stand there in the mirror and go, hmm, I look like a great prophet today. No, 
He knew there was work to go. There was a mission and ministry. Think about somebody that ministered you and introduced you to Jesus who walked the journey with you, that continues to walk the journey with you. Perhaps that someone is sitting beside you. Perhaps they've gone on to glory. But there comes a time in the relationship when the mentee must become the mentor, when the disciple has to become the discipler. We still continue to be disciples, but we have to be disciples who make disciples in order for disciples to be made. We continue to study and grow, but we can't just sit and take it in all ourselves. We have children that need to know about Jesus, that need to be taught, yes, Jesus loves me. We have youth that need to be mentored. We have adults that need to be mentored. We have a whole city outside these doors that need Jesus, and they're calling out And I believe the Holy Spirit is working through us here at Pine Valley to move and go into our city. I remember so many people in my life, from Miss Shirley Bird, who taught me my first vacation Bible school story, to Miss Peggy, to Miss Sherry in my youth group, to Miss Ray in my school Bible class when we could have Bible in school, and then to my mama who fleshed out Jesus outside of Sunday morning worship. We need to pass it on. Before his crucifixion, Jesus said to the disciples in John 14, 12, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Notice that phrase, he who believes in me. That's all believers. It's not just, hey, Peter, James, John, you're going to do greater things than me. It's all who believe. That's you, that's me, that's all believers. We will do greater things. Not that we will be greater than Jesus. It's that he fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit to go to all nations, to feed more people, to make more water clean in this world, to teach people more. He has given us a portion and a double for others. We are joint heirs together. And Jesus is calling us to love him with everything and then love others as he's loved us, warts and all. I love Dr. Takel when he was here this week. We had an amazing revival night, an amazing prayer workshop. And I loved his phrase, church is not a hotel, it's a go-tail. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. Christ gave us our mission 
to carry him into the world, to a world who desperately needs him and wants them, even if they don't even know it yet. And then I loved how Carrie Newhoff put it this way, the goal of any Christian should never to be to find a church that you like and sit on the back row. The goal should be to be fully engaged in the mission, and our mission is to make Jesus disciples. Jesus gave us this mission in the great commission. So friends, it's time to move from our seats to the streets. This is an invitation to discipleship, to be more, to ask ourselves, what's missing? Where do I need to grow? And if God offered me anything, what would I ask him? See, the greatest thing we can ask is for him to fill us with everything we need for his will and purpose in our life. So let's ask for that double portion and then take it out to the streets of Wilmington. This morning, each one of you should have received this discipleship spiritual inventory. In Celebrate Recovery, we do a daily inventory. Where did I do good today? Where did I not do so good? Where do I need to grow? We need to be doing that every day in our spiritual inventory. How is my prayers? How are my gifts? How are my service? How is my witness? How is my presence? We just renewed them with these new members this morning. Those are not just words we say. Those are vows and commitments to be in covenant with one another. And then on the back, here's a discipleship recommitment. Or maybe it's your first time committing and saying, I want to serve Jesus. How can you pray more? How can you serve more? I want you to get specific, not just say, oh, well, I could do this. No, I want you to name it and claim it and ask it in the name of Jesus. And then I want you to keep coming back to it. And then I would love to see those connect cards next week just fill our box and overflow and say, this is where I've committed to serve. This is where I've committed to grow. This is where I've committed to give. And this is where I've committed to go. And then let's be the disciples who make disciples for the furthering of Jesus' kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Almighty God, we feel the power of your Holy Spirit moving in and through us. We know you have called us, you have named us, and you have claimed us. Help us use our portion to go into this world, making disciples. Help us to teach our little ones about you. Help us to walk with our youth. Help us to teach our adults. Help us to love one another and serve one another. Help us to pray more, Father God. Help us to take your name into this city of Wilmington and into the whole world. Father, we ask it. In the name of Jesus.